Pelvic floor physical therapy, it's a specialty area within physical therapy that uh, focuses on the rehabilitation of the pelvic floor muscles. It could be after an injury or a dysfunction. And uh, also, I believe as pelvic floor physical therapists, we help prevent pelvic floor dysfunction, like by bringing education and awareness to moms, to men, and to children, uh, we can help prevent the dysfunction. It's not just you need to wait until you're broken or you're having incontinence or you're having sexual pain or your child is having the bedwetting problems to treat it. The pelvic floor muscles, we know they're an integral like part of our anatomy and they're like gatekeepers. They keep us continent, they support our internal organs and they play a big role in sexual function. So um, yeah, we, we take the entire body into consideration as well and the mind and um, we determine and address the underlying cause of the dysfunction and treat it as it is. We are two unique female professionals and friends that have come together to have meaningful conversations and a little fun along the way. Welcome to the Arable Podcast. Where curious minds grow. I'm your host, Jenna Mountain. And I'm your other host, Kimberly Galindo. Welcome back, everyone. We are continuing our series with Genesis PT and Wellness, and we have the oh-so-exciting opportunity to talk to Dr. Leah Fagali today about all the incredible work that she does. I'm going to read through her bio to share information about her with you all, and then I'm just going to let her... um, fill in the gaps where they may be. So uh, Dr. Leah is a pediatric pelvic health and women's health specialist. Uh, She holds a doctorate of physical therapy and master's in physical education and a bachelor's degree in physical therapy. She's also the author of The Day I Learned books, which we're going to talk a lot about today. They're incredible. Um, she's worked with a lot of women to help solve their pelvic floor discomfort, um, but she has a special passion for helping children suffering from constipation and incontinence. Um, much of this can be traced back to potty training or poor toilet habits, which she will share more about today. Um, so she decided to write these incredible books to help us parents do the whole potty training process, but also in hopes to prevent pelvic floor discomfort later on. Um, She provides uh, pediatric pelvic health and consults for Genesis. Uh, So from potty training struggles through the lenses of a pelvic floor specialist to the pelvic floor dysfunction, she knows how to help. Dr. Leah, thank you for being on the Arable podcast today. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited too. (laughs) Awesome. We're so excited to chat with you today. Um, Okay, so what did I miss? Professionally or maybe even personally, what would you like our audience to know about you that maybe I didn't touch on or mention? You actually mentioned pretty much everything. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Yeah, like that's it. So uh, I am with the Genesis team and specialize in pediatric and women's health. But right now with the Genesis, like being part of um, uh, the Genesis team, I am a pediatric pelvic floor specialist with them. So I take all of the pediatric cases and help many children. Um, um, And yeah, that's it. Awesome. Such a unique specialty that you bring to the world, being a pelvic floor specialist working with our little babies. It is just so important. And 
I, I'm kind of curious as, as we're just introducing you, Dr. Leah, like how common is your practice, like your specialty? Uh, and I know you work with women, but we're real jazzed about talking about the pediatric side. Like how, how, how many of you are out there like that work with pediatric pelvic floor specialty? I'm, I'm like super curious. Yeah, you can. I mean, especially through Instagram and you, you feel like there's more only women's um, specialists, uh-huh. you know, women's pelvic, pelvic health specialists. But m- there are a lot. I mean, in the United States, I'm sure there's a lot. And, you know, this specialty is um, evolving and a lot of people are knowing mm. more about it. Um, uh, so I think there's a lot. But in the Middle East, where I come from, um, it's, it's not very common. It's not very common. I honestly thought coming from Beirut, Lebanon um, and from the Middle East that, wow, this specialty is just even with children, even with men, like not women, even like, you know, um, Uh um, exists. Uh, Yeah. Um, In this part of the world, it's still a taboo subject, maybe even more than in the United States. Well, in my eyes, you're you're a unicorn. So like this woman does this incredible work that is so rare and so wonderful. And we are super excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's start. We've, we've, we're actually asking everybody on your team the same question because each of you comes with um, your own unique words and language and brilliance. And so we're asking each of you, like in your own words, describe for our audience and our listeners just generally what pelvic floor therapy is. Help, help us learn. Yeah, so uh, pelvic floor physical therapy, it's a specialty area within physical therapy that uh, focuses on the rehabilitation of the pelvic floor muscles. It could be after an injury or a dysfunction. And uh, also, I believe as pelvic floor physical therapists, we help prevent pelvic floor dysfunction, like by bringing education and awareness to moms, to men, and to children, uh, we can help prevent the dysfunction. And I think um, we need this awareness. You can prevent it. It's not just you need to wait until you're broken or you're having incontinence or you're having sexual pain or your child is having the bedwetting problems to treat it. Sure. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so the pelvic floor muscles, we know they're an integral, like part of our anatomy and they're like gatekeepers. They keep us continent. They support our internal organs and they play a big role in sexual function. So, um, yeah, we, we take the entire body into consideration as well and the mind and, um, we determine and address the underlying cause of the dysfunction and treat it as it is. So um, that's what pelvic floor therapy is for me, at least. (laughs) I love it. First of all, you touched on this. Every single one of your team members has touched on this. You guys are so good at treating the whole human. You're, You're looking at everything. I love your holistic approach. Your language gatekeepers, I'm going to take that with me. (laughs) <laughs> like the pelvic floor is like the gatekeeper. I just I mean, love that. I, as a sex therapist, that is so, that so captures some of what's happening for our clients and probably your patients. So I'm going to take that nugget with me and I'm going to steal that language. <laughs> mm, so good. 
I'm curious, Dr. Leah, what drew you into the work of pelvic floor in general, but specifically starting to kind of narrow your focus in pediatric pelvic floor therapy and kind of your journey into your work and what that process was like. (laughs) It's a long journey. Oh, I love to hear about it. It's a long journey. So my first interest in the area, it came uh, in back in 2013. Um, I was in Beirut, Lebanon. So I did my bachelor degree in physical therapy, master's degree in physical education, and my doctorate degree in physical therapy. So while I was doing my DPT there, um, I was working in a sports rehabilitation clinic. And then I decided to open my own clinic. And um, I didn't want to open a clinic that just, you know, I work as a physical therapist with everyone and treat everybody, right? I wanted to specialize in something specific. So I did my online research. I found out about pelvic floor, which, again, although I have my bachelor's degree and I was doing my doctorate degree, we don't really talk about the vulva. We don't really talk about the muscles down there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I learned that there's like the continuing education and I can apply for internships. So I sent out 50 cover letters. I was oh, 23. Wow. I sent out 50 cover letters to 50 different hospitals. And I said, the first hospital that would accept me in, I'm going there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, that's the first time I, I tell my story, by the way. <laughs> so, um, Oh, I love it. I feel so honored. I know. <laughs> Texas Children's Hospital, Children's Hospital in Houston was the first one that um, accepted me. And uh, I was supposed to start my internship. Like I did my papers and all of that within like five days. And luckily, my first uh, education, um, like um, the education with the APTA about pelvic floor was in Houston. So uh, I booked my flight. I, uh, I paid for everything, all of my courses. I said, I want to take all of the courses, wherever they are. It's continuing education and in different states, right? So I signed up for the pelvic PT one, two, and three, and the pediatric one, and the OB courses too. And I came to net, I told my parents, hey, guys, I'm traveling in four days. I got accepted in Texas Children's Hospital, and I want to specialize in pelvic floor. They looked at me like, what? <laughs> You're what going is that? to the United States. You're 23. <laughs> You're doing your doctorate degree, actually, right now. I mean, what? What? <laughs> so, yeah, wow. I said, that's what I want to do. It doesn't exist here. And um, I need to learn. I need to do as many internships as I can. And um, that's it. So, yeah, that's how I started. I came to the U.S. for six months. I did several internships, not only. I started in Houston. Um, I took all of the courses, and then I went back to Lebanon for like a month or two. I opened the practice, and then I had to come back to finish my courses. Um, But I decided, although I got a job opportunity in Baton Rouge Hospital, I decided, no, I want to open my own clinic in Beirut um, and help the, the people there that, really don't know about it so I gave many conferences had to educate the doctors and go on tv and do interviews just to bring education that okay there is a non-invasive treatment there's a conservative treatment to help children women and men so I was I I named my uh, clinic women's therapy women men and women Uh (laughs) uh-huh anyway um uh, I love it uh, yeah and then you know two years later I was in Texas actually in San Antonio um i met my husband i was here for a conference and uh, it happened like i felt okay he's the right guy i have to move back to the united states and i closed my practice and moved here and since i moved to the united states um i started working with becky and the genesis team and i started helping 
specifically the pediatric population because I started my party training books. And I feel like this um, population is greatly underserved, greatly, oh, greatly yeah. underserved. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, it causes undue stress for the child and for the family, for the mom and the dad, you know. And suffering from bedwetting, soiling accidents, or even constipation could develop an internal uh, psychological behavior, yeah. even external as well. And, uh, yeah, so we need to increase that child's self-esteem and not let him be in isolation and shame. So um, that's why I love working with the pediatric population. And I'm just focusing on it a little bit more because I feel like they are underserved and uh, they need help, too. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Leah, your story is so... You are such a brave woman. You are yeah. such a go-getter. Like, I am just sitting here, like, in awe of you. <laughs> this is such a really neat story. Yes. You know, it wasn't easy, though, to close my practice and move to the United States. Like, it wasn't easy because doctors kept on no. sending me patients. And this yeah. is how I started my virtual consultation as well, by myself. Because um, yeah. I felt like that's the only way I could help them, uh, mm -hmm. my patients there. Um, but still, I felt like I... I defeated my patients. Like, I'm here. I'm not there. And hey, guys, I'm sorry. Um, um, but thankfully, right now, you know, through Instagram, through my books, through uh, workshops, um, and yeah. I, I was going back and forth and during, you know, seeing, opening my practice and seeing patients when I'm there, when I'm visiting. But, uh, but yeah, I love it. I love what I do. <laughs> wow. Incredible. What a journey. Thank you for sharing with us. I feel like we also yeah. got an exclusive, a Dr. Leah exclusive here on Arable Podcast, hearing your professional journey. Yeah. And lots of bravery and, you know, to do this work. And yeah. And I had pelvic floor dysfunction too. So, oh, yeah. Uh, that made me, wow. Like, okay, how many women are suffering from oh, yeah. pelvic pain and, and there's right? a treatment out there for it, you know? Um, so you emphasize with your patients even more when you go through it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, both of us here have been to pelvic floor therapy. So at all, every, yes. everybody on this podcast in this moment has been to a pelvic floor therapist. We are all believers. All Big believers. Fan. Big fan. Everybody needs it. Everyone <laughs> should see a pelvic floor therapist for prevention or for, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We yeah. totally agree. Okay. So. Um, I'm sure we'll kind of weave in and out of this because I mm. want to make sure our listeners know how to get your really wonderful resources. But I want to I want to go back to kind of what you're saying, which is these this pediatric specialty um, is such an underserved population. Mm -hmm. So tell us more uh, about you know what does pelvic floor PT do to support children and their families? Um, what are the, you know, common things that we miss as parents that we don't realize is happening that you're, you're trying to help these families get on the front end uh, proactively, but also what do you do in response when things aren't going well? So just tell us about the specialty of pediatric public floor. Yeah. So um, first of all, most of the cases we see the two most common pelvic floor dysfunction we see uh, in the pediatric population are dysfunctional elimination syndrome and uh, bedwetting, which is mostly could mostly be traced back to inadequate potty training and poor toilet habits. 
Um, so uh, nighttime bedwetting, daytime wetting, stress incontinence, um, constipation, chronic constipation that starts maybe whenever they're babies, um, whenever they start solid food or whenever they started potty training. This is when start the holding pattern and the contraction of the pelvic floor muscles. Um, so, so yeah, so as a pediatric pelvic floor therapist, um, um, we usually, we don't do an internal exam um, uh, for the pediatric population, of course. Uh, we do an external exam. And that right now, I am just doing virtual consults because I feel like even talking to the parents and going through the past medical history of the child, going through um, uh, their fluid intake, their voiding habits, or what is exactly happening, diagnosing and asking for x-rays and or asking for more information regarding what to understand what is happening with the child and helping them and meeting them right where they are, educating them, educating parents. First, we need to educate the parents. Parents don't know. I mean, even adults, they have pelvic floor issues and they don't know about it, you know. So we have to educate them about the bladder and the bowel movement, how it should be, what is normal, what is not. And how can they help their kids through activities, exercises, through the treatment plan that we're going to, I mean, we're going to both do um, at home because they see their children 24-7 yeah. and, um, and they need to be aware of all of the behaviors that are happening and how can they help them to, mm -hmm. uh, to feel better and uh, how can they educate their children about the why. Yeah. If you are having bedwetting, that's your bladder that is, um, 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 you know, having the accident, it's not you. So you take the shame away from the child. You educate yeah. them why this is happening. It could be several. There's too many reasons for bedwetting, for example. Um, but uh, giving them the why, educating them, uh, telling them how can they help their bladder or help their bowel. Mm -hmm. uh, so helping them, like, take ownership and uh, increasing their self-esteem throughout the process uh, is everything. Like, that's what... Uh, in general, pelvic floor therapists should do. It's about educating and walking them through the process of the treatment. Um, and that's when you see results. I love that. I um, I think one of the things, and I want to highlight it, even for those who know what a pelvic floor therapist does, mostly with women, like if you know, that's probably what you know. Um, because you're right, we're, we're very unaware that there is work to be done with the gentlemen and then obviously this pediatric population. But one of the myths that we have to demystify a lot of times for our clients when we want to send them to see you guys, and we're talking about adults, it, the first thing they ask is, is it going to be like my, my annual female exam? And we say, no, there are no stirrups. There's no speculum. That's what we're doing. You've even, you've even demystified, like, how does that shift when working with a child? And that while there are exams, that like, there's no internal exam, that this is, I hear you saying, and I want the parents to hear this, like, if they needed support, one, you can do so much just virtually in a consult, which is so powerful Correct. for parents to hear. But then also, if they were to see someone in person, you guys are trying to do the least invasive experience. And I want okay. parents to hear that, that you want this to be a very positive experience for their children, that you want it to be safe and positive, And you're going to actually try to, to intervene on any level at the least amount possible 
so that they feel really good about this. And I would, as a, as a mom, that's what I would want to know. So I'm so glad you kind of talked through what that process would entail and what you're trying to do, because I think that that will increase a parent's comfort level in reaching out to someone like you for help. Right. And even like, um, I shared one time a story on Instagram, just to bring awareness. Um, um, I said, no is a complete answer. And we go back yeah. to the, to, um, um, you know, it's a complete sentence. It's a complete answer. I had um, a patient, um, a pediatric patient, he was six years old. Um, we do an external pelvic floor exam. We don't do internal, but we do mm-hmm. check the muscles. If they have good muscle coordination, we might use a biofeedback, although I don't really use it much. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, so I asked the child, hey, would you like to, um, I mean, I'm going to do an external exam, you know, after educating him about what exactly is the pelvic floor, mm-hmm. why this is going on. You know, we listen a lot to the child and to the parent, and then we tell them exactly what we're going to go through. And yeah. um, the child was like, he, he, he wasn't like feeling comfortable. He said, no, I do not want to do an external. I don't want to, I don't want to do an external exam. The mom was like, no, the doctor is telling you to do the external exam. Come on, let's try. I said, ma'am, if he's not feeling like it, it's a no. No is a complete answer. We're not going to do it today, maybe next time. Because, I mean, if I'm going to do the the exam externally, although it's externally, he's going to contract the muscles. He's not going to be comfortable. I was going to say, his his pelvic floor is going to tell you no. (laughs) Like, you're not even going to tell if he has good coordination or not. Like, the results that I want to see... I'm not going to be able to see it. So uh, no is a complete answer. So having the consent of the child, although he's a child, uh, is important because it's his body. And if he doesn't feel like it, he he doesn't even know me. That's the first time he's meeting me. Maybe next time he will be comfortable. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, what you just said as well. I just wanted to give you that small example on consent and um, uh, how we really have to take into consideration the feelings of the child. Absolutely. And what do they want and making them take ownership over their body. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> Which is a part of what you're trying to help them do. Yeah. We're trying to help them potty train, right? I, I wish all medical providers had your bedside manner, Dr. Lee. So that, <laughs> like, we're trauma and sex therapists, and, like, you just made us feel very warm and fuzzy in our hearts. So, <laughs> like. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, I think about the. The struggles we see in adulthood later on as sex therapists and even trauma therapists is because of that lack of agency and that empowered sense of their body and how potty training went. I mean, that's part of our assessment. Tell us about your potty training. Tell us about what you were taught. Did they get to go, no, that doesn't feel good to my body? Well, guess what's going to happen 20, 30 years later when they're in a sexual relationship, right? So I just... You saying that, I'm just like, oh my goodness, we need more of this for these little ones because, yeah, that no matters so much. Yeah. yeah. And any pelvic floor dysfunction that starts um, whenever they're young, that could, you know, it will always follow them into adulthood. And, yeah. um, and that brings me back to why I love working with the pediatric population. Like, hey, let's start right. I wish somebody, like actually in my books, you know, that the characters... I really thought about the characters. What type? They're what precious. color? What what characters should I make? And then I'm like, you know what? I'm recreating me and my husband. So the girl, her name is Leah, and the boy's name is Alex. He's blonde, blue eyes, just like my husband. And Leah looks like me. 
Um, uh, and that's because we were not taught how to win World Party Trade. So that book series is going to go through Alex and Leah and, um, uh, you know, uh, educating children through those characters about their bodies and how party training works and all of that. So that's because we were not party. We were not, you know, we didn't learn. I mean, the first time I learned about pelvic floor, I was, what, 23? I did my yeah, own yeah. research and I had to fly yeah, yeah. half around the world. <laughs> right. Yes. Hence the very wonderful story we started with. Okay. So I do want to, I do want to come back here. Okay. You've been breaking down all this beautiful stuff. And I will say, um, on a high level, I have, my husband and I have hired Dr. Leah. She has helped us. We own all these resources. I am such a big fan and you can buy, um, I'm going to have you talk about your whole, your whole package of things that people can get, but you can buy the book with the little girl, or you can buy the book with the little boy. We bought both because I'm a sex therapist. I'm like, I need all the things. This is so great. Like we loved it. So, um, so we read both in our house quite regularly, um, with the rest of the body books and everything else we have. So please tell us about, let me get this right. The day I learned, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Tell, um, tell our listeners all the things. <laughs> the day I learned started, actually it started because my nephews in Lebanon, they were starting to potty train. And my, my sisters, of course, they reached out to me. They're like, okay, what do I do? I'm like, great. I don't have kids, but I see children that are eight years old that have bedwetting problems. So, yeah. hey, chill. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. So I walked up through the process and good bladder bowel habits. So this is how it started. And I started the books um, uh, during the lockdown. Um, um, and I called it the day I learned because we all have that one day when something clicks. We learned something yeah. new, right? So the day I learned, and the first books in the series are about how to use the potty. Um, um, the characters uh, walk the parents and the child through the process of uh, pre-training and potty training phase. So uh, we need to prepare the child. There's a lot of prerequisites for potty training. So we can't just, hey, let's potty train in three days. Um, um, no, <laughs> it doesn't work. We have gross motor skills. We have the sensory awareness. We have a lot of things to look into before we start potty training a child so that again we prevent that one bad experience on the toilet that will that could lead to constipation and withholding and fear of pooping and not wanting to do it and then five years later they call me they're like hey my child is having soaring accidents and bedwetting i'm like great how was the potty training journey <laughs> yeah tell me what you did <laughs> i mean it's just parents honestly um, uh, the parents go through a lot, like even moms and dads, like they don't know everything and they're not supposed to know everything. So party training maybe is the least thing that, <laughs> that they want to think about, but educating them, that's why, you know, as a pelvic floor therapist, bringing education to the table and helping them through this process is what we need to do just to help prevent changing sheets and the problems that come afterwards so yeah. being patient through the process and um, um and guiding them through it is what needs to be done and uh, yeah the books i think did you like them you tell me <laughs> oh they're wonderful so the two books that tell you know they're just like children's books and they tell the story you know of of learning to go to the potty and um it's it's this very delightful sweet, lighthearted kind of experience. And then there's also this activity book, activity which is super book, yeah. fun. 
Yeah, for kids. So tell us about the activity book. Tell us everything in there because um, my children love that. All my children love them. I mean, like the, not not the child, not not only the child that we purchased it for, yeah. but like all my children. It's like a family activity. Um, so tell us about the thought process in the activity book and what you're yeah. what you're equipping the family with, really. Mm, so the activity book has a lot in it. Um, they go hand it goes hand in hand with the storybook, the small book. But the activity book again, it's divided into um, the pre-training phase, so the preparation phase, and uh, the party training phase. It has a lot of flashcards, uh, over like sixteen yoga poses. And this is to uh, open up the hips, to uh, increase the gross motor skills, core activation, because, you know, all, I mean, we need the good core activation. It's in incredible, to... the thought that you have put into this. Yeah. Going. I just want people to know, yeah. like, it's so amazing. And the sequence, um, going to the toilet, um, we have like 500 stickers as well, the pee, the poo sticker, the water, vegetables. So again, we need to prevent constipation, increase water intake. Hey, how many stickers did you get today? Every time you drink water, we're collecting the stickers. And uh, the pee and poo stickers, again, it's not about rewarding the child. It's more about educating them like, okay, today I peed six times and here's the chart. There's a perforated chart as well um, um, to know what went out of their body, to be aware of what happened. Oh, I pooped today and it was AM. This is where the sticker, we, where, where we put the sticker, right? Um, um, so stickers, the chart and the certificate of achievement with the special photo on their first picture on the potty, they can put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are the bonuses, but, um, there's a lot of coloring activities, even, um, uh, ed- learning more about anatomy, um, and about the bladder. So where does the pee come from? Uh, how the yeah. bladder nudges you, you know, there's like those illustrations of the bladder that are amazing. Mm, and uh, where does the poo come from and the shape of poo what kind of poo shape did you do to, did you have today so again that brings us to we don't want them to have hard stool or painful stool to, so that they don't get that bad experience and the constipation and if they do they need to reach out to a pelvic floor specialist to help them through this to break the cycle of constipation before it's too late so uh, there's like small you know, um, education for the parents and a lot of activities for the kids that that's the activity book they can always go back to um, um, and, you know, use all of the activities for educational purposes and fun. Oh, it is. It is such a delightful way to increase a child's understanding and awareness of their body, which we are big proponents of from a sex therapy and sexual health, like just body awareness and body boundaries and what are these parts called and using proper names, your activity book, teaching them how the bladder works and, you know, what type of stools do we want to have? It, it is phenomenal. Everybody should go get it. Even if you're an adult and you have no more children in the house, everybody should go get it because you probably didn't get this message and now you need to go play catch up. So I think everybody should just go do their pee and poo stickers because let's be honest, Dr. I mean, the adults are not, tracking this very well either are they no right. so everybody go get a sticker book everybody should do it yeah <laughs> yeah so they're available on amazon and our website the theilearn.com um uh, even uh, genesis if you're in dallas fort worth they have it in their own um uh, clinic too yeah. so yeah <laughs> a f- couple of follow-up questions just because as a parent you hear 
some some things about potty training, and um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I know like in our therapy world, you know, you hear these things and you just go, oh my gosh, and it's like a soapbox issue or something like that. So things like um, potty boot camps, the three-day method, like potty training at like, I mean, I've heard friends being like 18 months, two years old, like we're... We're, we're three days, we're going to do the three-day thing, and I'm thinking, I have questions. It's not going to go and, well. I have questions and concerns, so I'm curious, <laughs> what would you say to some of those things, some of those techniques, this yeah. three-day method and, and forcing it so early? Yeah, um, um, I'm against it, of course. Um, so there's too many components, again, and prerequisites mm-hmm. for body training, and the three-day method, especially right now during the lockdown, I, I noticed that so many parents are like, oh, we're in lockdown. In three days, I'm going to, that's it, I'm home. This weekend, I'm going to help my yes. child take off the diaper. So diapers in general, they are like the security blanket of these children. And yes. to take it off and tell them, hey, go sit on the scary little thing that makes sounds. <laughs> um, and you're going to get sucked up into the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> So literally, like you're sitting on a bar stool trying to poop when actually you were pooping by yourself in a squatting, full squatting position in your diaper your whole life. Yeah. Now, in one day, you're going to learn how to sit there and go through all of this process. It's, it's a big failure. Like maybe it's going to be great for three, four. I mean, and the problem is if, if parents, they feel like, oh, it's day four and my child is not body trained yet. I'm a bad parent. <laughs> Oh yeah, like the adult. The shame. pressure of having yeah, the the pressure of having only three days. Like, what about what if you're on the fourth day, your child is not potty trained? What does that mean? <laughs> so that's why it's it's there's a lot of prerequisites. We need to make sure that one, the bladder is fully developed. The child has good sensory, and it, I mean the feeling that okay, I need to pee, I need to poop. They know the difference between being wet and dry. Because diapers are great at, you know, soaking the pee. Children don't even know that they're wet or dry. That's one of the first sensations that they need to have before they go on the potty. So you can start with elimination communication. You can start preparing your child whenever they're, whatever, 11 months old, 18 months old. But to take off the diaper and putting the pressure and the stress of you need to pee and poop on this toilet that is very scary in one day or two or three, that's a lot of pressure. On the parents and on the child, so um, so there's too many signs to look for, and uh, even if the child does not take all of these signs, we can help him. Okay, he doesn't know how to squat. He doesn't know how to pull up and down his pants. Mm-hmm. Desensitizing them to the flushing sound. Um, how, how do you wash your hands? All mm-hmm. of these are part of the body yeah. process, um, um, and constipation is a big thing too. So yep. making sure that your child is having regular bowel movements. Mm-hmm. And uh, that are sometimes predictable. That would be even better to, uh, you know, and, you know, making them sit in a full squatting position on the toilet. Like there's too many things that we need to teach parents and um, empower them with the education to be able to, in return, help their kids through this process. Yeah. Uh, I do have a free assessment body training sheet on my website oh. for if anybody needs it. Um, we will put a link again, to that in the show notes. Yes, but if they don't tick all of the boxes, that's fine. Help your child go through them before the be, without taking you know that pressure and the stress of I need to take that diaper off and go through all of these. No. Um, well, yeah. and I'm 
I'm listening to you talk and I, I know probably just enough to be dangerous, but like, I, I'm not a pelvic floor specialist, but because I work with sex, like I'm very aware of how much, how this muscle shows up and how they, you know, how they respond to our emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking never in the history of ever has pressure been really helpful at relaxing so that you can void and do any of these processes that we're wanting to achieve. And so it's so counterintuitive to like put your kid through potty boot camp Correct. and expect that to go well. And I, and especially if they're not so ready. Unaware. Yes. Especially if yes. they're not ready. Like if your child is ready, you went through the preparation phase, like that's it. He knows he's already without the pressure of taking off the diaper, has a routine and everything's great. Good. Maybe in one day you will potty train him. Perfect. But it's the preparation phase that takes a lot of time. We can't yeah. do everything all at once in one day or three days. That's the thing. Um, uh, and watching out for constipation and, you know, poor toileting habits is the number one thing during party training to prevent the dysfunction that comes later on. And that will show three years later or four years later. It's not right away. Can you, can you uh, help illuminate that issue for our listeners? Because I think... I mean, I think every parent at a baseline knows that constipation isn't good. I don't think parents realize how constipation in the fullness of it, because I learned this out of your books. I don't think they realize how it impacts potty training. You know, I think that they think it's just limited to maybe potty training as it comes to bowel movements because they're constipated, but it's much more complex than that. Can you, can you help our listeners understand how constipation has a multifaceted impact on potty training? Oh, it does. So if a child is constipated, so he has, um, he's training to poop, signs of constipation. Let's start with that. He's training to poop, painful, painful, screaming. Maybe sometimes they're standing while they're pooping that's because they want to control what's going out and they don't want to mm. feel the pain right um uh, some parents even tell me oh my child is not constipated he poops three times a day well that could be because they're not fully defecating all at once so there's too many signs for constipation um that's why sometimes it's not diagnosed correctly um, um it's because it's not only about the frequency it's about the shape if they're hard if it's a painful stool they have itchy bottom they have you know all of that and uh, and if a child fears, he doesn't want to sit to poop, especially on the toilet that is big. So imagine you are sitting on a bar stool trying to pass a bowel movement. Your legs are not supported. You're not comfortable. You don't. You have no balance, and you're trying to poop. There's no way this art is gonna go out. Two, um, um, you're not gonna be comfortable, and you don't want to do it again. And this starts with the fear of using the toilet and or. Uh, the contraction, overactive pelvic floor muscles because you want to suppress that urge and you don't want to, that urge to come back. Yep. The problem with the rectum and with the uh, constipation is that even adults, when we get the reflex of, okay, I need to poop, right? Mm -hmm. um, you go and poop. If you don't, you suppress that urge. You're not going to get that reflex back three days or maybe four days, maybe a week later. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you feel the urge to pee, oh, if you're not going to go pee within 30 minutes and you have that urge, you're going to pee on yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not going to wait three days. It's not going to wait a week. So we're talking about two different sphincters, two different organs. And, uh, and if we suppress that urge to poop, what happens is the, this tool is going to be very hard and painful to pass, which hence 
makes the child want to postpone it. Just like, you know, adults have sexual yep. pain. They don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. They would contract their pelvic floor muscles and overactive pelvic floor muscles and the synergia, all of that will cause, will, will create several other problems too. So, uh, so that's how it affects potty training because the child will not successfully go sit on the toilet for too many reasons. It yep. could be one or all of the above that I just said. Um, um, and, uh, and then, you know, he will have low self-esteem. Parents are not happy, all of that. And yep. uh, that's how it affects it. It's just, we need to prevent it. And if, if your child has one of those symptoms, reach out to a specialist to be able to help you um, yes. uh, break the cycle and, uh, and help your child feel more confident and able to poop, whether it's in the diaper or on the potty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so good. This is so good. Yes. You've never seen three people get more excited about poop in your life, y'all. <laughs> yeah, right? That's what my husband told me the first time he met me. He said, I think you're the only person that I met that is excited about pee, poop, and sex. <laughs> yep. We talk about pee, poop, and sex a whole lot. Yeah. I'm so curious of all the all the incredible work that you do, Dr. Layout. Like, what is your favorite part of, of working with the pediatric population? Like, what what's what's your favorite? When that little small toddler tells me, "Hey, Doctor Dea, thank you for helping me poop again." <laughs> the excitement. So when sweet. You, seriously, children are so smart. They're smart. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're they they just understand everything. They want to know the why. They would just mm-hmm. go through whatever you tell them to go through if you explain it to them. If you help them take ownership. If you educate them about their bodies, why I want you to help your bladder, you are helping your bladder. You are helping mm-hmm. your rectum. Yes, it's called rectum. Again, we go back to correct anatomical words. Um, um, what's going on in your body? Why this is happening? It's okay. So many children like you are going through this. You're not alone. You're not the only one who go, who has bedwetting issues. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's not nice. You feel ashamed. You don't want this to happen. Children, they want to help their parents mm. and they want to help themselves to get better and have a better self-esteem and feel more and more confident in their own body and um you know with their siblings and their parents so that's what i like about it i like educating those little brains and little mm-hmm. pelvises <laughs> <laughs> um and i think it's rewarding whenever you see results and it's a reward for the whole family because, trust me, the parents are going through a lot too. Yes. So, uh, yeah. like, every time I talk, when, when my patients are better, you can tell the mom is super happy. She's like, oh, I slept all night. I didn't have to wake up. I didn't have to change sheets. Um, my yeah. child is happier. Like, imagine you're constipated for a week. Oh, my God. Yeah. You feel you yeah, feel I'd be awful. grumpy. I'd be you're very grumpy. Ghosted. There you go. How about the little toddler with the big stool hanging in there um how will they feel their personality changes whenever they start feeling better and um they're Mm. you know halfway or almost at the end of their treatment the personality changes they're happier they're better with their peers in the house just all of that i think this is very very rewarding oh that's so amazing (laughs) okay tell us if you could get rid of one myth about bodies pelvic floor therapy, health in general, what would it be? There's a lot. Um, no. <laughs> no. 
but since we're talking about children, I think um, the number one myth is a child will outgrow bedwetting. Ooh. I don't like this. Yeah. Children. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see many patients that, um, you know, they're between 6 and 15 uh, old, 15 years old, suffering from bedwetting problems, right? Yeah. It is true that some children, they spontaneously stop bedwetting eventually, but that's not all of them. Some of them do, not all of them. And mm-hmm. uh, a recent study has shown that taking, um, you know, a watch and wait approach and uh, not seeking help uh, could make the children, you know, suffer more and more from mm-hmm. this condition and even other bladder problems so for far longer than they need to. And okay. uh, some kids, like, they could, if they seeked out and they reached out for help, they could have stopped that problem five years ago, right? Yeah. So um, sometimes pediatricians, and again, you know, even when I was in Lebanon, I was giving a lot of conferences for pediatricians, OB-GYNs, urologists, because they, they don't know that um, yep. a conservative treatment exists. Uh, so th- sometimes they don't know. Like, what? You go to the doctor, you see them for three minutes, five minutes. They would prescribe medication or surgery or whatever. So how about uh, conservative treatment? Checking on the muscle that is the gatekeeper, yes. that is responsible for this. Um, and let's go to through non-invasive treatment before we start with the medication, maybe, or with the medication. Um, I mean, we can help, but you have to reach out. You have to not out. I mean, some pediatricians yes. go like, oh, yeah, he will outgrow, but I think it's fine. Um, um, no, no. We need to find the underlying cause, what is causing it, the why, and treat it. And uh, reaching out for help could prevent many years of suffering. Yes. Well, and I, I, so I, I have heard so many of these stories and you didn't quite go there, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> so I, I have worked with adults that have realized that their voiding habits or, you know, experiences are not normal. And that's really common in our office because we work with sex. So we're talking about things that most people aren't talking about in therapy. Um, And I've worked with a lot of adults that have had very invasive medical procedures as children that are absolutely traumatic for them. And so my big soapbox is if there is anything about your child or yourself, adults, so zero to 99, and you have a urination or defecation challenge, go to a PT first, go to the PT first. Because there's so many, and I, I love the medical community, but there are a lot of doctors that will just order some of these tests that are very traumatic and I think unnecessary based on being friends with you guys. So I, <laughs> yeah. I want people to know there is a less invasive option for um, if you just think maybe I'm having an issue urinating, maybe I'm having an issue voiding, I, I'm it, something's not right, I... I send people to you guys all the time. I'm like, please see a PT first. Please see a PT first. Because yeah. you're right. There's a large portion of the medical community that does n- is not aware of how you guys can be less invasive. It can be less traumatic. Um, and y'all, I cannot, almost, I, I'm not met a pelvic floor physical therapist that doesn't have great side, bedside manner. I'm sure all the fudge has nuts. But 
the Genesis team, you guys are absolutely outstanding. And so it's going to be a very positive experience. And I, that's my soapbox. I wish they would see you guys first. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, first line treatment should be pelvic floor therapy. That's for sure. But yeah. again, we need to bring education and awareness to the doctors first, because that's who the patients see first. Um, yeah. um, and for them to understand that, okay, send them. Let's have another opinion. Let's go through other things before yeah, you you go through surgery or you know um, another treatment plan. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, so good. <laughs> so curious. We've mentioned it, but your favorite part of being on the Genesis team. We've had the fun opportunity <laughs> to talk to all of you and and so you're on the team as well and we're just curious what's your favorite part about being a part of the team the whole team yeah <laughs> the She's whole like the team. people <laughs> the people seriously starting with Becky like my Becky is just she's a role model she's amazing um and she chooses for team very I mean efficiently and it's she did a great job um, um we have a lot of pelvic floor therapists um in this team and each one of them is just amazing and empowers me in a way or another um the team feels although i just moved from dallas so i'm in florida i'm in miami right now but i still you know do the virtual consult for genesis um we're always like on a group chat we're always asking each other questions we're always mm. you know we have each other's back uh, the whole team is amazing and I'm very very grateful to be with the best like number one I think she's in Dallas <laughs> Fort Worth yes. um, um, with the best PT team uh, there and uh, the spirit just the family spirit in there mm. and the support that you get um, from everybody and especially Becky she's awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Leah thank you so much for being with us today um, we close the show with the same questions for everybody. So um, my question for you is, what would you like the audience to take away from our conversation today? What would you like to leave them with? Yeah, so one thing, pelvic floor dysfunction is not life-threatening, but it is life-diminishing. Whether Ooh. it's for your children, for um, you, or you know, adults or children, it diminishes your life and your self-esteem and might you know put you in a dark place um and so preventing it getting more education about it reaching out for help knowing that there is treatment out there um for any kind of pelvic floor dysfunction whether whether it's sexual whether it's bladder mm -hmm. dysfunction bowel dysfunction whatever it is there's support there's help reach out and uh yeah i mean they're competent, specialized public floor PTs that can help you present it and uh, help you through. They can listen to you. Yeah. Seriously, our sessions, at least 60 minutes, the first um, um, uh, eval, is just to listen to the patient. Yeah. Listen, understand what's going on, and try to walk them through the process of the treatment and the prognosis. So, um, yeah, get help if you need to. And uh, get educated just to prevent it as well, because it's a muscle like any other muscle. And it uh, needs to be taken care of. <laughs> That's good. Final question. What's your takeaway from our conversation today? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, uh, it. It was just amazing. <laughs> 
Um, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I've so enjoyed just being with like-minded people. Yes, me too. Yeah. Me too. You, you guys are honestly, you made me feel very um, calm, quiet. You're just great at interviewing people. Um, um, I'm so excited for the collaboration that is happening between Genesis and you guys. Yes. I think a multidisciplinary approach is very important for a patient to feel that they're supported uh, and coached through the physical progress and the mental progress that they're going to go through. Um, uh, yeah, having you on the team and collaborating with you is just amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I actually had a question. So you do work with the pediatric population too, right? We, um, adolescents at Aspen house, but not pediatric, um, for therapy. Yes. Mm, Okay. I see. Yes. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Um, um. We are so thrilled to be doing this partnership with you guys and this collaboration. It is, it is one, I do think we're going to serve the community really well. So I'm in agreement with you, but also it is just super fun. Like I, I could not have picked two other families to bring together because that's what it feels like. It's like two really tight knit families and we're just bringing them together. And it's been so much fun. Oh, (laughs) that's amazing. And thank you so much for the podcast that you have created in general. Like mm-hmm. you have a lot of great content out there and you're interviewing great people. Um, um, and for having me today. <laughs> thank you for joining us. You have blessed our listeners beyond what you are probably capable of knowing. Like this is so good. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> So incredible. Oh, and just so lovely. Y'all, she's such a lovely human being, that Dr. Yes. Leah. And just so warm and kind and very generous with her time and information. And um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, you never you never grow up thinking, yeah, I'm gonna sit um and record conversations about um poop and pee and sex. But and we sex. did and I loved it. And it was brilliant. I hope I hope it's so helpful for folks. Um, Everybody's going to be paying attention when they, like, go to <laughs> Void tonight. There's like, I'm on the toilet. How is this going? <laughs> How am I doing? Go How download doing? the assessment. She'll, she'll help you out. Um, I'm curious what your takeaway from that oh-so-wonderful conversation was. Well, I've been aware of her brilliance for a minute. So... I think the thing that really took me was the one thing she wanted our audience to take away her words. It's like, I've known that to be true, but her words were so perfect. She said that pelvic floor dysfunction is, is not life threatening, but it is life diminishing. Mm. I got Mm. goosebumps when she said that. And there's so much about both of our worlds that we really don't work primarily with life-threatening things, but we work with things that are life-diminishing and we want people to flourish more and I and, and to help people realize that that is an option and that they are worthy of pursuing that and that it is good 
is really important. So I just so appreciate her language. Yeah, me too. What about you? So good. Um, Well, that one for sure. Gosh, that it is so life diminishing. It struck me. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and just in the context of of the little ones, you know, we've the series we've been focused a little more on the adults, and I just think how how life diminishing it is for them to, and then not to have words for it. Um, But I loved, gosh, I just love how empowering her work is to the child, the babies, that Mm. body like awareness and empowerment that no is a full sentence and if that kid says hey I'm not I'm not comfortable with something she goes okay and I just I wish it weren't such a big deal and we were all doing it in you know the medical world but it's not happening it's not Um, happening and so I just not that I wasn't aware that that she was doing that work, but I'm just struck by the gift that hopefully that is to our listeners that that knows a complete sentence and kids need to have the ability to go, you know, I'm just not there yet. I'm not comfortable. And how and to empower the parents in those settings to reinforce that. Yeah. So, so powerful. Mm. So. Awesome. So good. Thank you for joining us. Arable Podcast is hosted by Jenna Mountain and Kimberly Galindo. And edited and co-produced by Chris Vargas and hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit our website, arablepodcast.com, and find Arable Podcasts on Instagram or Facebook. You can also find both of us on Facebook. You can find me, Kimberly Galindo, on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo. And me, Jenna Mountain, on Instagram at the Jenna Mountain. 